0: Oh, good morning. Morning. I want to tell you about somebody called William Sidney Porter, who was born in September 1862 in North Carolina and died only 47 years later in New York. In his short and very troubled life, he became one of America's most popular short story writers. He wrote under the pen name O. Henry. One of his most popular stories is called The Gift of the Magi, and uh, I'd like to um, tell you about it. In this story, a couple, not long married, are down on their luck, with money coming in slowly and going out even faster. It's Christmas time, and Della wants so much to buy Jim something special. She had tried for months to put away a little each week But she'd only managed to save the grand total of $1.87, about £1.50. What she really wanted to buy Jim was a chain for his pocket watch that he loved so much, but that was $21. She knew that there, there was actually one way, though, of making the money. Just down the street was a wig shop that bought human hair. It was a different era. Off she went. A couple of hours later she returned home with cropped hair but the gold chain now in her possession in a velvet box. He would be so happy. Well, Jim was normally home on time for supper but tonight he was a little late. Here I'm going to read O'Henry's words himself. The door opened and Jim stepped in. Jim stopped inside the door. He was quiet as a hunting dog when it was near a bird. His eyes looked strangely at Della and there was an expression in them that she could not understand. It filled her with fear. It was not anger, nor surprise, nor anything she had been ready for. He simply looked at her with that strange expression on his face. Della went to him. Jim, dear, she cried, don't look at me like that. I had my hair cut off and sold it. I couldn't live through Christmas without giving you a gift. You've cut off your hair, asked Jim slowly. He seemed to labor to understand what had happened. He seemed not to feel sure he knew. Cut it off and sold it, said Della. Don't you like me now? I'm me, Jim. I'm the same without hair. It's the night before Christmas. Be good to me because I sold it for you, said Della. Jim put his arms around his Della. From inside the coat, Jim took something tied in paper out of it. He threw it upon the table. I want you to understand me, Dell," he said. Nothing like a haircut could make me love you any less. But if you open that, you may know how I felt when I came in. White fingers pulled off the paper, and then a cry of joy. And then this changed to tears. For there lay the combs the combs that Della had seen in the shop window and loved for a long time. She had known that they cost, they cost too much for her ever to buy herself. She had looked at them without the least hope of owning them. And now they were hers, but her hair was gone. But she held them to her heart and at last was able to look up and say, my hair grows so fast, Jim. Then she jumped up Jim had yet to see his beautiful gift. She held it out to him in her open hands. The gold seemed to shine softly, as if with her own warm and loving spirit. Isn't it perfect, Jim? I hunted all over town to find it. You'll have to look at your watch a hundred times a day now. Give me your watch. I want to see how they look together. Jim sat down and smiled. Della, said he, Let's put our Christmas gifts away now and keep them for a while. They're too nice to use now. I sold the watch to get the money to buy the combs. And now I think we should have our dinner." Isn't that a beautiful story? A story of love so great. Della's love for Jim was beyond her love for herself. And Jim's love for Della was beyond his love for himself. Well, today we're going to look at just one single verse from Paul's letter to the Romans, that Roman church that he loves so much. And that verse is Romans chapter 12, verse 10. If you want to follow along in the church Bibles, that's on page 1139, 1139. But for context, I'm going to read just one verse before and a few verses afterwards. So starting in verse 9 and going to verse 13. Paul starts, love must be sincere, hate what is, e- what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourself. That's our key verse, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patience in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Well, in this chapter, we actually lose something when we read it in English. Of course, Paul didn't write in English, he wrote in Greek. And um, our title in our Bible, uh, which wouldn't have been in Paul's letters, tells us that this passage is all about love. But in Greek, when he wrote it, Paul used this technique to use the word love before every sentence, before every point he made. That's the first thing we lose. The second thing is that in English, we're very poor with the word love because we've only got one word for love, where in Greek, there are at least four words for love. In much of Romans so far, we've been hearing about agape, the love of God for his people and people for God. We now, in our key verse here, come across another word for love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Brotherly love. Now, I don't know how well you got on with your, or get on with your brothers and sisters, uh, but we all know that when this relationship is working, it can be so joyous. What a joy it can be to be a brother or a sister or to have a brother or sister. Even if you haven't had this privilege within your family, when we think back to the great friendships and relationships we've had in our lives, well, when that happens, don't we so often say, they're like a brother or a sister to me? So we know what it means to be a good brother or a good sister. Okay, back to our Greek lesson. We've looked at the word agape, meaning love between God and ourselves. Now, we have the Greek word for brotherly or sisterly love. This is actually a word I find really easy to remember because it's the same as the, word for a, as the name of a city in Pennsylvania that was founded and named by William Penn in 1682. As a Quaker, Penn had experienced religious persecution and wanted his colony in Pennsylvania to be the place where anyone could worship freely. This tolerance, far more than than afforded by other colonies, led to brilliant, much better relationships with the local native tribes and fostered this city to be the, the, uh, the fastest and most important city in America at that time. To this day, this city is still known as the city of brotherly love. It is, of course, Philadelphia, if you were trying to guess as I was talking. Well, isn't it wonderful that this desire of William Penn, through his faith, led to the best relationships with the local Indian people? But rather tragically, Philadelphia has changed. And although being still stunningly beautiful, it's now repeatedly on the top of the list of the big American cities in terms of violent crimes. The city of brotherly love has lost its way somewhat. What does brotherly love look like? in practical terms to us. Well, I think the second part of the verse gives us the key here. Honor one another above yourself. Honor one another above yourselves. This is love, that we place others above us. That's what Della and Jim did in our story at the beginning of this talk. They put each other's happiness above their own at a cost at a cost of Della's hair and Jim's watch. And brotherly love is costly. The verse starts, be devoted. To act out of brotherly love takes devotion and an active choice. Be devoted. Be meaning actively decide to do this. To actively decide to not just part-time love or wishy-washy love, but be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This is a commitment that Paul is asking us to do as a church and as individuals. Jesus once said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How we love one another has a massive impact on others who do not count themselves as followers of Jesus. When they see us loving and caring for each other, Of course, sadly, the opposite impact also happens when they see intolerance and prejudice in our ranks. Gandhi in India once said, if it weren't for Christians, I'd be a Christian. Isn't that terrible? Well, this was following a time when he was young and he was reading the New Testament and he was so impressed by Jesus that he wanted to know more. What happened next is reported in this way. One Sunday morning, Gandhi decided that he would visit one of the Christian churches in Calcutta. Upon seeking entrance to the church sanctuary, he was stopped at the door by the ushers. He was told he was not welcome, nor would he be permitted to attend this particular church as it was for high caste Indians and whites only. He was neither high caste nor was he white because of the rejection the Mahatma, turned his back on Christianity. We can shrug that off as being a different time or a different culture, thinking that this would never happen in Claygate. We have to be so conscious, I think, about how we are with people, especially when we are fortunate enough to have them visiting us. And I think we are for the most part. But I say this to myself, I want to be devoted in love one another, however much I know the other person. Jesus also said this, as reported by the Message Bible in Luke chapter 6. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want to do for you. Sorry, I'll say that again. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden-variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. We should love and put others above us in that love. Honouring them, honouring them in a costly way, not looking for what's in it for us. That word honour means respect, hold precious value, hold precious others more above ourselves. Now all of this sounds pretty tough. In my heart of hearts, I can just about accept equal, but honour one another above yourself. Well, there was a man who did exactly that, one who actually had every reason to be thought of as higher than everybody else, and yet he did not. Paul, again in Philippians 4, teaches us, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Notice that first part. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In thinking about our relationship with one another, just as we are in our verse from Romans, We should have that same mindset as Jesus. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus did everything for his friends, for us, in loving and living and dying for us. He is our model. He is our big brother. He showed the ultimate brotherly love to each one of us. He came for all people, and would have been outraged by that church in Calcutta. Jesus himself would not have been allowed if he'd, sh- if, if he'd shown up on that Sunday morning. He wouldn't have been allowed in that church. He was neither high-caste Indian nor white. If you follow Jesus and count him as your Lord and Savior, then my prayer for all of us is that he shows us where we are prejudiced, where we do elevate ourselves over others. Over others. If you know that wonderful treasure that is to know that you are saved through Jesus' wonderful love and sacrifice for all of us, then how can we possibly want anyone to miss out on him? So let's not be like the church in Calcutta here in Claygate. Let's be a church with wide open doors. Let's be a people as individuals are wide open to strangers. Let's be a church that respects and holds precious all peoples as gods, as he values them, as he values all people. So let Claygate be known as the village of brotherly love. Amen.